Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. Well, they called me about a month or so ago and said, I want you to come to our special celebration, and I, w- I want the, the message title to be Remember. I, I really think that he thought uh, maybe we better catch him while his memory's still with him. At the You know, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I turned 70 years old. Wow. Can you believe it? Can you... Some of the folks in the front row say, yeah, we can believe it, brother. We see the sags and bags and wrinkles and all those other things. Uh, hey, it's coming to you as well, coming to a theater near you uh, in time. Uh, my, my wife does, doesn't show it. She doesn't have a wrinkle in her face. Uh, she's so, so beautiful. I just appreciate her. But she, she was looking at me one day, and she said, I, I've got something for you. And she handed me a jar that said, wrinkles be gone. Put some of that on your face like me and all, they just, they'll just go away. I, I started about two weeks. I mean, it was cream, grease cream, and it just helped my face slide off my skull. I'll tell you what, it didn't do a blessed thing for me. I could take 20 years off my life by reaching the back of my head and pulling up. Uh, <laughs> when do we get to the point where we just quit worrying about it and just give up? I'm, I'm at the place right now, maybe I, at, at that place where I can start bragging about my age rather than lying about it, and some of you may be there, but 70 years old, it's just hard to imagine. And 20 years ago at Liberty University, uh, and how God has set the path and uh, blazed the trail for this incredible work that God is doing here, we are thoroughly uh, blessed to be here today. It is, it is truly an honor. And uh, as I think about the word remember, I'm, I'm thinking of the, word, of the scripture in Psalms chapter 77, verse 11. We'll start with that one. It's just such a powerful scripture. And God admonishes us and says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Please, folks, always remember what God has done. What God is doing here today is nothing short of a miracle. God is an awesome God, and he's got an incredible plan for this church. And what he has done in the past is truly a miracle. And what he, what he says here is, I will surely remember the wonders of old. God is doing a great work. What God is doing in your church right now is not happening around our country. In my work at Liberty University, every phone call that comes in from pastors or churches calling for help gets forwarded to my cell phone. And I have the opportunity to talk to pastors, and I hear them weep, and I hear them uh, call out for help. And for some reason or other, what, what Liberty University did to my business card is put on there, uh, Director of Church Revitalization. I'm thinking to myself, what in the world can I do to revitalize the church? Only one person, and that's the Lord God Almighty on the throne. If he could use me in some way or another, I think maybe the history of what God has done in the past has kind of said, hey, he could help other churches, and I'm delighted to do that. But listen, 63% of all the churches in America, please let this sink in, 63% of all the churches in America are under 75 in attendance. 82% of all the churches in America are either plateaued or declining. Only 30% of the churches in America run between 100 and 500 in attendance. And listen very carefully. When you hit over 1,000 in attendance, of all the churches in America, 2% of those churches are over 1,000 in attendance. So you are barking at the door, hammering at the door of getting over that threshold of 1,000 in your church. And when you do, you're 2% of all the churches in America. God deserves a hand for that. What he's doing here is absolutely a miracle. Look what the Lord has done. I was just this morning, I mean, this is the second round around, and listen, listen to me, at 70 years old, I don't like to preach two times. I'm lucky to get one in, you know, but uh, the service this morning at the first service was just packed, and what God is not only doing today, but what he's going to do, his future blessing upon this work is going to be un- unbelievable. I lo- when, when Matt, Pastor Matt asked me about preaching on remembrance, I love to remember, I'm just, I'm old enough to be nostalgic and go back and reflect. I I love to get my grandchildren together and tell them the stories about how I grew up on the farm and 
how I grew up in poverty and, and, and how I went to a one-room schoolhouse and how I had to walk both ways, you know, two miles there, two miles back in a driving snow and barefoot. You know, I, I embellish just a little bit to keep their attention, but I love talking to the, to the kids and telling the stories of my past. I, I've had a wonderful uh, past, and God has blessed me in my work 40 years in the ministry. I, I just recently wrote a little story called Mufu Monkey for my kids. And uh, I kind of doctor that. As a matter of fact, I doctor it up a lot. As a matter of fact, some of it's just downright lies. But, uh, but the kids are interested in it anyway. It's a little story my wife is helping me illustrate. But I love to reflect. I love to think of the past. And when I get the grandchildren together, I pull out the vinyl records and the cassettes and the, and the albums, and they, they stand amazed and see all the little antiques and stuff I pull out. So I love to remember. But not only just the remembrance of my past and things that, 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 that God has blessed my life with, but I like to go way back. I like to go back to the days of Billy Sunday, and I had the opportunity years ago to visit in Winona Lake, the old wooden tabernacle that thousands of people came from all over the country to hear Billy Sunday preach the gospel, and sitting on old wood benches. And I stood on that platform, that, that, that uh, tabernacle is gone now, but I stood on that platform, had the privilege before they tore it down to stand there and put my hands on that old sacred desk that Billy Sunday stood in and preached, and thousands of people turned their lives to Christ. It was an awesome feeling. I love to go back and think about the, the men that changed our nation, uh, changed the course of our nation spiritually. Revivals came. I went to New England and visited George Whitfield's area and Finney's area and went to their old churches and just to walk into those churches and, and sense the presence of God in that place and know that God used those men and the path that they were on to to bring great revivals that swept our country. I go into the Jerry Falwell Museum at Liberty University and that great massive pulpit that he preached from that I, that I saw on television from the time I was a little boy. And Jerry Falwell would stand up there in that great big pulpit. And I had the opportunity at Liberty to go to the museum and stand there and, and, and think to myself, my feet are in the place where Jerry Falwell stood and my hands are on the pulpit and, and his Bible is open there to the text. And, and I, I stand there just overwhelmed at how God could use such a man to do such a thing. The spiritual journey going back. But listen to me very carefully. What God has done in the past at Crosslink, what he's doing in the present right now, and what he hasn't planned for the future isn't anything short of what God's done in the past in great revivals. God has a plan for this church. And I believe what is happening here deserves our praise and our worship and our recognition for great is the Lord. So I want to kind of take a moment if we could, if we're going to remember, let me, let me go back a little bit and remember. Uh, my, my history with Crosslink goes back 20 years ago when I came to Liberty University, when it was called Faith Bible Church. There's a little church up here in Harrisonburg that was struggling, and I got a phone call, and they said, we need help. Could you send us some pastors up here? I came up many Sundays and preached. I sent pastors up here. We sent worship teams up here, and we had a great uh, uh, time of just investing in that little church. And the church began to grow, and the church began to flourish, and praise God for what God had done then. But then my second trip, after I left Liberty and came up to Stanton area, to Calvary Baptist Church, the phone rang again. And the second time the phone rang was the same Faith Bible Church. And they said, we hear you're in Stanton now, pastoring Calvary Baptist Church. Pastor Randy, we need help. Would you come meet with our men? And I remember driving up Interstate 81, and I remember meeting over in this old building over here with a group of five, four or five guys, and they poured out their heart. They said, I don't know what we're going to do. We're about to close our doors. We only have about 25 people attending our church right now, and we have a million-dollar debt to cover, and we need God's miracle to take place. And I want to be honest with you. Is there anyone here that was part of those, those four or five men? Anyone here put a hand up? Maybe, yes, over, Randy, God bless you, man. There was a miracle that took place that night. Because while they were pouring out their hearts concerning the, the disaster and the trials and the trouble that they were going through, Randy will tell you, I looked at him and I said, I did the most spiritual thing I could think of. I'll pray for you, brother, but I'm getting in my car and I'm getting out of here. Uh, I prayed with them and I said, I don't know what I can do. I've only been at Calvary Baptist for two years. 
I need to spend my attention on that. I know God called me here to help uh, plant churches, but I didn't think of planting a church in Harrisonburg. God bless you guys. Uh, God be with you and be warmed and filled. I got in my car and I headed south. About halfway down the interstate, God spoke to my heart. And God said, Randy Spencer, I called you to this valley to help churches. And you might not see what I can do, but I have a miracle in store, and I'm calling you to go back to that church and help that church. I got home, and I don't know if it was Randy that I called or one of the guys I called and said, God changed my mind. I'm going to help your church. I don't know what he's got in mind. I don't know what I can do, but I'm going to address my church and share with them that there's a little church up in Harrisonburg that needs our help. I went back, met with our men, and that Sunday morning, I stood up before the congregation, and I said, we're going to take a church in Harrisonburg. There's 11 acres up there, and a church that's, a, that's dying has about 25 members, and everybody was kind of smiling, thinking, yeah, that's, that's real nice. We need to do that. And then I said, and also, besides taking the church when we take it, we're getting a million-dollar debt. I'm telling you what, the Holy Spirit wiped the smiles off their face real fast when they heard that one. We're taking what? A million-dollar debt. Praise God, God changed the hearts of those people as they began to see that God, following their pastor, would be able to perform a miracle. That church embraced this church. We sent teams up here for two years I would preach my, my service in my church, and the choir was already up here. They came up and led the singing, and by the time the song service was about finished, I was driving up the interstate. I would jump out of my pulpit, run out, jump out, jump in the car, and head up Interstate 81, flying 55 mile an hour, and get here just in time for the service to start, and I'd rush in, they'd hand me a microphone, and I'd start preaching on the way down the aisle for two years. God led me to do that. Brady Rose came along with me as a campus pastor. And then later, uh, after, after two years, the church began to grow and get a footing there. And, and Calvary Baptist Church was there walking along with them, providing landscaping and work days and all um, a million other things. And praise God for the faith of Calvary Baptist Church. Praise God for a group of people that said, if the pastor is called to the Spirit of God to do something, and, I, and let me just stop for just a moment. If God calls your pastor, I know that man know, well enough to know he can hear from God, you follow his leadership. Because that church at Calvary Baptist Church didn't have a clue what God was able to do with a million-dollar debt and with this church, but as a testimony of how a group of people are saying, we don't understand, but by faith we're going to step out and we're going to follow our pastor, great things begin to happen. I did this for two years. God laid on my heart to call John, uh, Pastor John uh, Welburn to come up, and I remember God spoke to my heart. I picked up the phone, had his number in there, pushed the dial thing, and John picked up, and I said, John, God is calling you to uh, Shenandoah uh, Valley. He's got, he's got a church in Harrisonburg, and you need to pray about it. All of a sudden, God puts John Welburn here. Praise God for that man that came in and invested, he and, he and his wife, invested in this church and poured his life into this church for seven years. God used him to build and grow the church. And then as John was leaving, God had another plan. God was calling him to Staten Island while he was calling Matt Kirkland to be your pastor. And I want to tell you what, what God is doing and what God has done and what God is about to do is absolutely nothing short of a miracle. Stand behind your pastor, pray for him, encourage him, and hang on to him. I'm telling you what, there's a million churches out there would like to take that man from you, but you put the chains on him, you tie him down, you feed him well, you pay him well, and you brag him up because I want to tell you, Matt Kirklands are few and far between. I get calls from mega churches in America saying, we need a pastor that has a track record of growing and building a church. And there's, and there's hundreds of churches around our country that are looking for the men of God that will come in with a track record of, and a man of faith and a man of integrity to grow their church. So I just simply say, God's blessing and God's anointing is upon him. Pray for him and stand behind him and love him and keep growing and follow his leadership. God is doing some great and awesome things for you. But Calvary Baptist, or excuse me, uh, Crosslink Church doesn't always just look back and see the blessing. Along with that, we've got to look at the trials. God isn't selective when he talks about the Bible stories, when he talks about the great men of God in the past. God tells the whole truth and nothing but the truth. 
I mean, you go back and read the accounts of the scripture and you find that God, God told the, the accurate story of everything these men did, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And sometimes it's cal- with, with Crosslink here, we've got to remember that there were some tough times. And we didn't, when we look back, we've got to look back sometimes and see some of the, the, the slip-ups and, and some of the failures and some of the sin and some of the disobedience. See, God uses all those things to build our character. You are where you are today because God has uh, used your background. We need to remember the trials as well as the triumphs. We need to remember the pitfalls as well as the palaces. We need to remember the valleys as well as the victories. So when we look back, and I want to tell you what, Crosslink isn't all perfect in their past. Randy will tell you. They made their mistakes. But praise God when we see the big picture, we can look back and rejoice and say to each one of us personally, where we're at today, praise God, he brought us through that. Remember when God was dealing with Israel, when he, he delivered them out of bondage, out of Egypt? God didn't let Israel forget their mistakes. God didn't let Israel bypass all the things that was going on. God reminded them. Matter of fact, seven feasts in the Bible to Israel yearly to remember what God had done in the past. God said to Israel, remember the chains. God said to Israel, remember the bondage. God said to Israel, remember the rebellion. Do you remember Mount Horeb? You remember the fire? Do you remember the smoke? Do you remember the wilderness? Do you remember the snakes? <laughs> Do you, do, you, do you remember the, uh, uh, the, the time that Moses lost his temper and, and, and water, to get water out of the rock? Remember the good and the bad. Re- remember the quail? When you called out to God for food and all of a sudden God sent you six feet of quail laying on the ground? God says, you want meat? I'm going to give you meat, man. Uh, send the quail. In other words, we look back and God says, be reminded. It's not always been good. There's been trials that leads us to the triumph. There's been pitfalls that leads us to the palaces. There's the valleys that lead us to the mountaintops of victory. Praise God for remembrance. The Bible is a book of remembrance. Matter of fact, let me just stop long enough to read Malachi chapter 3, 16. I love this verse. For then, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened. Praise God he listens. Man, when we talk, if we're talking to each other, he's listening. When we're talking to him, he's listening. And he said he heard them. And so a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and meditate upon his word. God doesn't need a book of remembrance. Uh, He's not going to forget, but we can. And God says all the trials and all the tribulation and all the things that you've gone through is life. These are life lessons. And I'm going to write a book of remembrance. And that book of remembrance is going to be with us in eternity. And we're going to be able to rehearse what the Lord has done. So praise God for the trials. Praise God God for the the temptations and the the things in our life. But God wants us to write them down. I I brought along with me my, I, I have so many journals I love to write what God is doing. And I, I come across this old journal. I, I kind of like the circuit riding preacher type thing, you know, it's put in a saddlebag. Uh, and I, I found this thing, it's just full of old parchment paper. And I got an ink pen and I started tracing. This is only one of many journals I have, but I, I challenge you write down what God has done. Uh, make record of God's miracles. God doesn't want us just to remember the Bible miracles. He wants us to write down the miracles that's going on today. He wants us to be able to remember and our children to remember and generations to follow. Write it down. Put it in a journal. Write your miracles down. Write your trials down and have record of that. Make your diary. The, The memory is probably one of the greatest gifts that God has given to us to recall the past. And God wants us to be able to remember not only the good things, but write down the miracles and the valleys that he's brought you through to show and demonstrate his hand. This, this book is an entire book of memory. Aren't you glad for this book? There's 66 individual books written by 40 authors over a period of 1,500 years in three different languages from three different continents, and it's all brought together in this beautiful bound book called the Bible. And what it is, it's a reflection of everything that God did in the past. It goes back thousands of years and shows the footprints of God. So we have that opportunity to read through and discover God's blessings in the past. 
Take your Bible and take it, take it as, a, as a diary from God, a journey of, of life from the time of creation on through. Let you, let, read about God's people, God's mighty men. And, and, and every time that God writes a story about the mighty men, God always, he never sugarcoats it, does he? Every, every member of uh, uh, the Bible heroes in uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 when the Bible heroes are rehearsed, when you think about Jonah, what do you think of? He ran from God. When you think about Solomon, what do you think of? A womanizer. When you think about Jacob, what's the first thing that pops in your head? Oh, he's a deceiver. He's a scoundrel. When I say Rahab, what do you think of? Harlot. When I think of Thomas, what do you think of? Doubter. When I say Noah, what do you think of? A righteous man, laying drunk, naked. When I, when I say Moses, a temperamental man. Oh, when I say Samson, a, a ladies' man. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? When I say Peter, what comes to mind? Denier. When I say David, what comes to mind? An adulterer, a murderer. Why does God do that? Why don't he just hide those things? That's the past. Those are over. Those are forgotten. No, God wants to tell the story of his marvelous and amazing grace when he can take a scoundrel like ourselves and bring us to the cross, bring forgiveness and grace in our lives, and make a difference, make you a new creation. God wants us to tell the story of the good, bad, and ugly, and everything in my life that I've done wrong. Praise God for the cross because I can move on and I can look back and not have the wounds, not have the hurts, because Jesus made the difference. Write your story down. Write your mistakes down. Tell your story that your grandchildren might hear it. Those are landmarks. One of the things that's happening in our country today is there's this whole move about taking the, remove the, removing the monuments. You know, I, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I think it's sad because those monuments help to make and forge what America is today. Oh, they may not all have been pleasant. They may not have been all good. But God wants us, when we look back, to build monuments. Matter of fact, when, when, Lot's, when Lot was fleeing, Lot's wife turned around, and what happened? God made a permanent monument of pillar of salt. You know, look what she did, you know, right there. That's a monument of don't look back, man. We have these monuments in our country, and we're trying to remove them because we didn't agree with everything that was going on. God, God says this, when, when you have a monument, go back and see how God shaped America. America is what it is today because of some of the things that's happened in the past. We need to go back and tell our story to our children. We need to tell the story to our grandchildren. We need to know how God forged us through these battles and through these uh, trials and temptations to bring us to the nation that we are today. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 28 says, Remove not the ancient landmarks which your fathers set. And I want to say to you as... as uh, Crosslink, don't remove, don't be ashamed of the past. Matter of fact, if you're new here and you don't understand the past, someone write history. Maybe you already have a historian. Write it down. Every new member needs to know the miracle that took place in the past. I'm going to give you my outline real quick because uh, I have a tendency to chase rabbits. And uh, I'm going to give you the outline first. That way you, you have at least something to take with you. You have notes there. Write these things down because here's where we're going with this outline. Number one, we need to remember. Write it down. You're looking up at me. You can't write while you're looking up here. Write it down. There may be a pen in front of you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you it's good, okay? You can write it down. I'd write it in a fly leaf of my Bible because I need to be reminded of these, these, these points. This is, the, this is the outline, so write it down. Number one, remember. Remember what? Remember the past, remember the present, remember the future. First thing we have to do is remember. God's given us a memory, and we go back to reflect so, number one, remember. Number two, reflect. When we remember, don't just remember it and move on. Reflect to how God took that and how God shaped that and how God's hand was in that situation, whether it's bad or whether it's good, whether it's a valley or it's a victory. Reflect on that. So, number one, remember. Number two, reflect. Number three, repent. Because I want to tell you what, we started in sin and until we come to the cross of Jesus Christ, we're sinners, and we need to be repent, repent of that. Revelation chapter 3 sends a charge to the church, and many times to the church, he says, remember and repent. Remember what you heard. Remember what you saw. So the message to the church is, we need to repent, because when we remember, you're going to remember some sin. When we remember, you're going to remember some failures. 
When we remember, you're going to remember some heartache. So what we need to do is repent of those. We can't go any further and move any further until the purpose of our remembrance is to remember we're a sinner. When we reflect, we reflect if God steps into that situation and makes us a saint, and we repent of our failures. And number four, we rejoice in forgiveness. This is good, and I'm telling you what, this is anointed of God. This is, this is good stuff. Put it in the fly leaf of your Bible and rehearse it. Every day we need to do this. Remember, reflect, repent, rejoice, and then relive. Relive it. Go back into those times. Celebrate what God has done and praise God for it. That's called worship. I think every Sunday morning when you come into church, when you think you're remembering, you're reflecting, you're repenting, you're rejoicing for the forgiveness, and then you relive that in celebration. That's what true worship is. Look what the Lord has done. And then retell. Retell the story over. Retell your children. Uh, retell your grandchildren. Write it in a journal. Show what God has done and retell the story. I want my kids to be able to pick up my journals and I want my grandchildren to pick up my journals, and I want, to re- I want to allow them to see what God has done in my life and what God has done in the life of America. I want to write what God is doing in uh, uh, the, our ministries in our lives. So write them down. I'm going to build, if I could, I'm gonna, we're going to build three more memorials here. And I, I kind of jokingly say to Pastor uh, Matt, next time I come back, I expect to find three rock piles out front of your church. I, I did this one time. We were at Zion Baptist Church in Pennsylvania, and uh, we went down to Kentucky. Way, I mean, way back in Possum Holler. This thing was so far back. We went back with Mountain Outreach, and there was this family back there with six kids, and they had this shanty put together. I mean, it wasn't constructed. It was sheets of tin that were nailed to trees, and the family was living in that way back in the hills of Kentucky. We took a group of people down through Mountain Outreach Ministries, and went back into those hills and built them a house. And as the house was complete, we did like uh, the the, uh, HD, what's that TV thing? HGTV. We did the great reveal. We hid from them, you know, you're not allowed to see it, you know, you'll wait till we get it all done. We brought them in with the six kids when it was all finished. And we pulled the curtain back, and we celebrated. I'm telling you what, these people were so happy. They were smiling from ear to ear. They had never lived in a house before. And here their house was, and what I said to the guys, we're going to have a dedication service. And I said to the guys that had a pickup truck, I said, there's a rock pile about a mile down the road. I want two of you guys, big muscle guys, take that pickup truck and go down there and get me the biggest rocks you can possibly pick up and put them in that truck. And they said, what, what for? I said, don't worry about it. Just go, go, go do it. What do you mean pick up rocks? I said, I'm your pastor. I have the authority. I tell you, I command you, go pick up the rocks and put them in the truck. I'll explain later. They went down, and they loaded these great big old rocks up and come back and back the truck up there. And I said, take them out now. Let's build a rock pile. Twelve stones we had piled up in front of that house. And I read the passage in Joshua chapter 4 where Joshua led the children of Israel when God parted the waters of the Jordan and they walked on dry ground. And Joshua said to the heads of the tribes, each one of you pick up a a boulder as big as you can pick it up from the bottom of that sea and carry it to the other side. And we're going to build a monument. And I I, I, I shared that story with him. And I said, we're going to build a monument here. And I want you to leave that monument here for the rest of your life. Because I want you to tell the story of a group of people that came from Pennsylvania because God called them to come down here to help you. And I want every time you see that, every time your kids see that, I want you to thank God for the miracle that he performed. It's a reminder. Now, I don't know. I've never been back there. Maybe someday I'll, try, I'll probably get shot going back in those mountains anymore. But I'll maybe try to go back there and see if those rocks, those 12 rocks are in front of that house. But you know something? We can build it, whether it's physically or in our mind. We need to build a stone for our past. In, Je- in Joshua chapter 4, when the children of Israel were leaving the wilderness, they were entering a new chapter of their life. God had said the, uh, Gilgal was on the other side, and Joshua called the place Gilgal, which means the reproaches roll away. 
God was saying to Joshua this. Joshua ordered the heads of each tribe of Israel saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, carry them over with you and leave them on the lodging place on the other side. What for? That these may be a sign among you when the children ask in time to come saying, what in the world are these stones here? Israel came back several times to retreat in Gilgal. And every time they went back, they saw the pile of stones. And Joshua said, let's remember, those stones was when once we were over there in reproach in the land of, of the wilderness, when disobedience filled the, the, the children of Israel uh, over in the wilderness over there. You remember when the snakes were biting you? You, you, you remember the, the, the sin that was going on in the, in the wilderness, your rebellion? You remember when Korah tried to rebel with his men and God opened up the earth and swallowed up those men? We need to be reminded of what God was doing. But not only the bad things, God said, that stone memorial is also a reminder of my hand that was with you every step of the way through 40 years. What did God do? Their shoes never wore out. Their clothes never wore out. God brought honey bread from heaven every morning and every evening. God fed his children. He brought water out of a rock. So God was saying, when you come to this place, remember that this this, uh, uh, sea, the Jordan River, rolled back and you walked across on dry ground. God delivered you from the reproach, and now you stand on the edge of a promised land. Listen to me, Crosslink. You're standing on the edge of a promised land. This church has gone through wilderness, and it's only 10 years. But I want to tell you what. This church is standing on the edge of a promised land, and you can't even begin to imagine what your future is. God is calling you and saying, come back here every once in a while. That's what we're doing today. Come on back. Come back to Gilgal. Uh, if anyone says, when you leave church here today, where did you go? Say, I, I was at Gilgal. They'll probably look at you like you're crazy, but that's, that's what this is. This is Gilgal. We come back, and what are we doing? We're reflecting as we look back over, and we're reflecting on where God has brought us to today. Remember your past. Reflect upon the past. Remember the 12 stones, and God is going to lead us every step of the way as we trust in him from this point on, we're leading into the promised land. Number two, what's another memorial? It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. That's when Samuel was judge of Israel. And there was a large and fearful army, the Philistines, who were threatening to attack Israel. And Israel did not have the armies to stand against this powerful armies of the Philistines. They were there to march in and literally annihilate Israel. And Samuel, being a godly king, calls the children of Israel together and says, we need to fast and pray because right now what's standing in front of us is a monumental task. We're about to be annihilated. Unless God comes through, we're through. So he calls Israel together, and they prayed and they fasted. And while they were fasting and praying, the Philistines were gathering in the valley, thousands of them, mighty warriors, standing ready to walk into Israel and destroy them. And they prayed that God would show up in a dynamic way. And you know what happened? Here's the Philistines gathered in the valley the night before, ready to attack. And all of a sudden, God sent a thunderstorm to that place. And the Philistines were scared to death. They turned tail and they fled and ran. And I thought to myself as I was reading that, what a bunch of wimps. A thunderstorm takes this great mighty army with all these swords and weaponry and thousands of men and, 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 a, and a rain cloud comes in and they turn around and run. I was, this, is, this is the honest truth. I was sitting in the couch reading this story and I turned to my wife. The storm clouds were kind of gathering outside of our house and I said to her, could you imagine these wimps running because of a, cla- a, 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 a clash of lightning or, or, or thunder? And all of a sudden, I'm telling you, All of a sudden, lightning struck our neighbor's house just down the road. The fire trucks were there. The ambulance were there. The police were there. I mean, this this thing, while we were sitting on the couch, I no more than said that. What a bunch of wimps. And all of a sudden, wham, this big old bolt of lightning and thunder shook the house. And my wife and I went three feet off the couch, both of us, looking at each other. We were halfway raptured at that point. We know what it feels like. I I mean, it shook the place. And all of a sudden, God spoke to me and said, you think that's bad. You should have been there when I scared those Philistines out. The the thought of them going against my children, 
God was demonstrating himself and saying, I want to show you and give you a demonstration of what I can do. The power of the sovereign God of the universe, the gall of an army to think that they can stand against God Almighty. God says, listen to this. Here's a little demonstration of what I can do. He's an awesome, powerful God. And Samuel turns around and says, man, God sent that army fleeing. We've got victory. They went out and bought a stone, got a stone. And they etched it at Ebenezer, which is interpreted, God is our helper. I want to tell you what, one of those stones that you put out in front of your church, put Ebenezer on it, because I want to tell you what is happening in your church today. Satan would like to come in and destroy and tear down and, and, and annihilate you. You're, you're, the, you're the children of Israel. And the armies of Philistines, listen to me very carefully, the armies of Philistines are already gathering in the valley. They would love to come against and destroy what's going on here because it's so rare. God is doing a work here, but God will not allow. There's no weapon formed against you that's going to prosper. You're not the tail, you're the head. And with God, with your helper and God at your side, there's no army out there going to stand against you. Praise God. That ought, that ought to deserve a good hand clap right there. God is not going to allow anything to happen to this church. God stands as your helper, and write it down, etch it down, saying our protection is as we fast and as we pray and as we walk with God and obedience to God, no weapon formed against us, no enemy is going to be strong enough to stand against what God, has, God is doing in our church. Present stone means God is our helper. But then we don't stop there. We go to another, another set of stones, or excuse me, another stone. We go back to Jacob when Jacob was that scoundrel. We go back to Jacob when he was a deceiver. He was running from his brother, and he was traveling to a place that his mother said, go to Haran over there and hide out for a while until things cool down. And in his journey, Jacob thought he was a loser. Jacob thought he had no possible win, but God led him to the place where he had to stay overnight, and he pulled up this rock. I want to tell you what, it's, it, it's not my pillow when it's a rock. And uh, when you pull up a rock for a pillow, hard, hard stone pillows make for bad night's sleep. But that man rolled and tossed that night, and God let the angels ascending and descending from heaven. And God gave Jacob a message and said, don't look at where you are now, but look at where I'm going to take you. Let me read that for you. It's awesome. Verse 15 of uh, Genesis chapter 28. God says, behold, I'm with you. I will keep you wherever you go. And while I'm reading this, I want you to apply it to yourself. Because this is exactly what God is saying to Crosslink right now. Behold, I am with you. It's obvious. I'm presently with you. Look what the Lord has done. I, am, I will keep you wherever you go. The land that you lie on, I will give it to you. This land of Harrisonburg belongs to you, folks. This is your territory. God is going to give that to you. Not only is he going to give it to you, I'm going to give it to your descendants. And you're going to be like the dust of the earth. I will make a great name for you. All families of the earth will be blessed through you. You will become a great nation, Jacob. How awesome is this place, Jacob said. In verse 15, Jacob took a stone. And when he set the stone he made a, a, for a pillow, he set it up as a pillar. And he called its name Bethel. Another stone you want to put out in front of your house out here, out in front of the church, is you need to write Bethel. Because God is saying, you can't even begin to imagine what your future holds. God is just, he who has begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. God is doing a work here, and he's staging you and preparing you to plant churches. You're, gonna, you're going to bless, this, uh, bless the nations. You're, you're going to impact the valley. You're going to fulfill the vision that God has given to you as a church body and church family. And the ground that you're on, these 11 acres that God has given to you, strategically planted here next to the fairgrounds. Why? Because God says, I'm going to give you that land, all the land, not only the 11 11 acres, I'm going to give you all the territory of Harrisonburg to become uh, 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 your land and a land for your children. The church that you're raising up right now is going to be a church that your children is going to be in and your children's children, and you're going to bless the people uh, of this, of this uh, community because of how God is blessing you, and you're going to bless the nations. That's the future that God has for you as a church family. Praise God. Build a stone and call it Bethel. This is the house of the Lord. 
praise God for what he's doing here. Thank God every day for it. Stand with it. Because I want to tell you what, you're in for the ride of your life. When you get a church that's under pastoral leadership, and when you get a group of congregations that is not fussing and fuming and tearing things apart and bickering and arguing, and when you got unity in a church, and when you got the hand of God upon you, you can't even begin. I'll tell you, you're just getting ready to get your socks blessed off of you. And when your socks get blessed off, Brother, Brother Matthew's going to call me and say, hey, we've just had our socks blessed off of us. It's coming, folks, I'm telling you. Your future plans, you can't even begin. Jeremiah, I didn't write this down, but Jeremiah uh, gives a promise uh, that God says to you, I've got plans for you for your future. I've got plans for your hope. Not to destruct you, destroy you, not to harm you, but to bless you. And that's the scripture that God is saying to your future right now. God has incredible things in store. Well, my sermon has ended at this point, but don't, don't get too excited. Because what I do is I put the sermon out, and then I go back and I just kind of tag on something that I think is very, very important, a takeaway point. Because when I'm talking about this idea of remembering the past in a congregation this size, I'm sure there's people that are saying, Pastor, you don't understand my past. You don't understand the hurt that I have. You don't understand the sin that I've committed. You don't understand the path that, that I, I was on. And I don't want to remember that. I don't want to go back. And matter of fact, Pastor, Paul writes and says, forget those things which are behind and press on to those. So I'm not going to remember the past. What Paul was saying there is not like we have the ability to forget things. How many, how many have heard that phrase? Got to forgive and forget. How many heard that? Two people, three? Okay. It's a popular saying, believe me. Just, just forgive and forget. Well, I don't know about you, but I can't forget. God didn't give me the ability to forget. Now, maybe one day I will. I don't know. That may be coming sooner than I think. But right now, I can remember the sin of my life. I, it hurts when I go back and think of sin in my life, used to, but when I understand that the sins of the past are under the blood of Jesus, the hurt is gone. They were used to be open wounds. Now I can go back and I can celebrate the fact that God stepped in in my past and forgave me and gave me a glorious future. You see, God's, oh, the, another thing comes to mind is, well, the Bible says that God cast our sin as far as the east is from the west and buries them in the depths of sea, so God doesn't remember them. I, 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 can't, I, I can't believe that. I can't grasp a hold of the fact that God has deliberate dementia. God remembers everything. And God remembers your sin. God remembers your trials. God remembers your failures. Just as he did with Israel, seven feasts a year, says, remember where you came from. Remember the rock that I hewed you from. Remember the pit that I drug you from. We have to remember those things. God doesn't forget, but here's the secret. God says all those things, all those hurts, all that resentment, all those wounds, all the things that we hated to go back to, when you've experienced the forgiveness of God, all of a sudden it doesn't hurt anymore. There's forgiveness and there's cleansing, and you can re reflect and look back. Let me, let me give you a statement, maybe the most significant statement I've made today, one statement. If your past is still haunting you, if when you look back, you still can't forgive. When you look back, you're still hurt. There's open sores and there's open wounds. It's signs that you've never really experienced the full forgiveness of God. Because I want to tell you what, I'll never forget my past sins, but I can think of them and remember, and you know what happens when I remember? I stand up and I say, thank God. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God for the cross of Christ. Thank God that you've forgiven me, and God when you say you're not going to remember anymore, you remember the sin, but what you're not going to remember is the judgment and the condemnation that that sin was what brought. So therefore, when we go back and we visited those things, I think the condemnation's gone, the judgment's gone. I am forgiven. I am healed. I'm a new person, a new creation in Christ. So I can go back and I can see that the, what used to be an open wound now is a scar of a trophy that God, of God's forgiveness. 
my wife came from a broken home. And uh, she came from a, a home that was a, a father that was abusive, a mother that left five children and deserted them. And my wife was shuffled from pillar to post. And when she thinks of the past, she, I, I guarantee you, she could tell you every detail about what happened in her childhood. But you know the secret? She forgave a long time ago. Everything was placed under the blood of Jesus. And even though she can think and remember those things, now the hurt is gone. Now the forgiveness is offered. And her dad is 90 years old. We were just with him not too long ago. My, my, my wife can go to her dad and love her dad in spite of the past. Uh, my, her mother is 88 years old, and my wife has been taking care of her and giving her the attention that her mother should have given her as a little child. Why can, how can she do all this? Because my wife has learned the power of being able to get over the wounds and the hurt of the past and allow the beautiful forgiveness of God to come into her life. So listen to me. If you're looking back at your past still haunt you, go to Jesus and ask for true forgiveness. Ask him to cleanse you. God will make it brand new for you. Yeah, uh, my wife, has, because of her past, has become one of the most beautiful and forgiving and loving people that I know. Why? Because she's learned the forgiveness of God. Uh, here, here's, here's one little secret, and, and I'll close in just a moment. Here's one little secret. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, his wounds were, I can't imagine the agony that he went through. The pierced side, nailing him to a cross, his feet and his hands. The, the, the crowd spitting on him and reviling him and mocking him. What he had to go through at the crucifixion was unbelievable. And if anyone had a, deser- had, had a right in their, in their future to look back and be resentful, it was Jesus. But he said some magical words from the cross when he lifted up his face and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The forgiveness was offered at the cross, and when Jesus came back and met with his disciples in the upper room, you remember what he did? They doubted it was Jesus. He showed them the scars in his hands. He showed them the scar of of the pierced side. So Jesus' wounds no longer hurt, but the scar remained. Listen, Listen to this very carefully. If you happen to go through surgery, and they they cut you to take cancer out, what's going to remain? The cancer is gone, praise God, you're healed, but you're going to have a scar. If, if you have a, a kidney taken out or, or you have an accident and you, and you have a, a wound, the hurt is gone, and praise God, there's a scar there that will constantly remind you. Sometimes those scars are trophies. Uh, folks in war, the war stories, maybe got a badge of courage or a purple heart, and the, the wounds are, are gone, but the scars remain. And Jesus' scars is going to be with him for eternity. In his glorified body, he has his scars. And his scars, when we see Jesus in heaven, will be a reminder of the forgiveness that he offered on the cross of Calvary. Isn't that awesome? And you hear something else. This, this may blow your theology, and uh, you have a right to believe what you believe. This is just me. This is not, this is not uh, word of God uh, this is not God-inspired. This is just Randy Spencer. And when you preach, you can preach what you want. But I believe when I get to heaven, that there's going to be scars of sin. Oh, the penalty's gone. Sin are now just scars. And for all eternity, I'm going to cast myself before the loving Savior, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and I'm going to say, God, thank you that you forgave me. Thank you, God, you healed me. Thank you. And that's my song. That's my glory story for eternity. When I look at a scar, I say, God, thank you. It doesn't hurt anymore. God, thank you that it doesn't bleed anymore. Thank you, God, for the forgiveness. I'm cleansed. I'm healed. I can look back and reflect, and it becomes my glory story. Yeah, the scars become our trophy in glory. But if you keep hanging on to the past, I got a little illustration here I'll close with. If you keep hanging on to the past and it keeps haunting you, you need to ask God to bring true forgiveness because when forgiveness comes, healing comes, and the wounds that were once open now just simply become scars of reminder of God's trophy of forgiveness. I was driving past my house here some years, years ago, and the funniest thing happened. I was driving down this country road, and when the headlights in the evening caught something in the middle of the road, and here it was a skunk. And I stopped, actually stopped the car because this wasn't an ordinary skunk. This was a skunk that had a problem. And uh, 
No, I don't have skunk in here, so just, uh, just sit back and relax. What, what happened, though, I saw this skunk, and he had one of these Kentucky Fried Chicken boxes, and it was like this, and he poked his head in there to get some old bones, and when he poked his head in there, come back and clamped his neck into it, and he was running around on the road with this box on his head. And I stopped the car just to watch this amusing sight. Here's this skunk running around with this box of dried up bones, and he was running around the road, and he knew that a car was coming, and he was about to be roadkill if he couldn't get off the road, but he didn't know what direction to go. I think to myself, how many people live their life with their head stuck in an old box of dry bones? How many people live with all the garbage and all the junk of their past, and they can't seem to get their head out of the old box of bones. You know what the future is? If you don't get healing and you don't get your head, see, there's nothing in there but a bunch of old dead, up, dead dried up bones, and if you don't get that box off your head and get healing and get forgiveness, you're going to end up with roadkill. <laughs> because you can't move on for God until you get beyond your past. And all the scars that we have in life are simple reminders. And I can be reminded and I can remember my sin. But praise God, the sting is gone. Praise God, the healing. It doesn't hurt anymore because I know the healing power of Jesus. He took Randy Spencer's head out of the chicken box. Amen. I, there's a bunch of old dead bones in there. I don't need that anymore because I've got the Lord Jesus Christ and I've got his forgiveness and his power. I want to tell you, Calvary, or Crosslink, I want to tell you, you, as you look back, don't forget the flaws. Don't forget the trials. Don't, don't forget the temptations. And if you don't know about them, ask about them. Because I want to tell you, it's your glory story. What God has brought you through is the path that God made you who you are today. The victories that you're experiencing today is because of the victories of the cross and the trials that you've been brought through has built the character and the person and the church that you are today. So give him glory. Just give Jesus a hand clap right now. Would you do that? He's an awesome God. He's an awesome God. And when you talk about forgiveness, when you talk about forgiveness, say to your friends, I don't have my head stuck in a chicken box. Amen. Praise God. He's got, I'll tell you what, he's got a good box of Kentucky Fried Chicken for your future. Amen. There's something in that box. Brother Matt, God bless you. Thank you. It's been, a, it's been an awesome privilege to be with you. And I thank God for what he's doing in your church. Just continue to follow your pastor and follow Jesus. And he's got great things in store. Thank you so much. God bless you, man. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. If you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.